Let's get it. April 3rd, 2019. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. So if you're hearing this on the day that it dropped, it is the day of my birth, and I am probably not at work. I am probably sleeping in or enjoying a frosty beverage. So last episode, we set a goal. And we got 30 ratings and 14 reviews so far. A little bit to go, but I do appreciate those that took the time. But I do appreciate those that took the time and and, uh, rated it and reviewed this show. And also at 100, when we get to 100 ratings, I will release Adrian Cronauer of Good Morning Vietnam fame interviewing Mel Brooks. Adrian Cronauer interviewed Mel Brooks for a another piece of content that the VA was going to release and that didn't happen. However, the interview did happen and it is in my lap and it is hilarious. In it, uh, Adrian Cronauer is interviewing Mel Brooks about his service, about his time with the USO, and it's a hilarious piece of content. And I can't wait to share it with you um, after we get the 100 reviews. As soon as that happens, this interview will be yours. No news releases of note this week, so you won't have to you won't be hearing that transition. I'm probably going to revamp that one um, due to some feedback. So you probably won't hear the same one from the previous episode ever again, and you're welcome. However, VetTech is still looking for training partners. They have over 15 million dollars to spend. VetTech is a new five-year pilot program that trains veterans in the skills needed by employers in the high-tech sector. VA is looking for training providers to train veterans in computer software, information science, media application, data processing, and computer programming. VA pays program costs to the provider. The the veteran is charged nothing, and veterans can receive a housing stipend while in the program, similar to the GI Bill. Applications for the first year are open now for training providers. You can apply right now to serve veterans. To participate, your facility must have been in operation for at least two years and have successfully provided your high-tech program for at least one year. Veterans need one day, that's just one day of GI Bill entitlement to apply. And the training doesn't count against your entitlement. So the training doesn't count against your GI Bill. This is a, a separate pot of money. For more information, go to the GI Bill website at www.benefits.va.gov forward slash GI Bill. That's www.benefits.va.gov forward slash GI Bill and look for Vet Tech at the top of the page. So today's guest is a Navy veteran and entrepreneur. He started a coffee business out of his house and now does 40,000 pounds of coffee a year. I found him um, when I took the train my first day at the VA. I was taking the uh, Virginia Railway Express on Quantico. It was early in the morning and I was not awake. I'm not a morning person. And I took a sip of this coffee at this coffee stand and I was like, holy cow, this is good stuff. And I took a look and it was an independent uh, coffee bean. It was an independent coffee roaster out of Fredericksburg. Said it was a veteran's owned business. So I kept that in mind for a time like this where I could highlight a, a veteran owned business and they're just rocking and rolling. So without further ado, I bring to you, Mr. Sean Ricks. So the, the first time I 
I looked at Rick's roasters. I thought immediately that it had to be a guy with his first name, Rick. And <laughs> Man, I get that all the time. <laughs> I wonder if you got that all the time. Yeah. Um, I used to get it before I owned a company. And then once we started the company, there was no getting away from it. Like, um, it, and I really felt bad for other males that work for our company because sure. everybody assumed they were Rick, right? Like you see a male and you go, Oh, you must be Rick. No, there's no Rick. And I'm not even a Rick. <laughs> like, um, That's hilarious. Yeah, we actually thought about um, for the farmer's market season, when you're getting t-shirts made that said on the front, there is no Rick. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did the idea for a coffee, coffee business come about? Um, so it really started uh, kind of as a winery. If you, so really? the backstory is, um, so Keely is a social worker. And Keely, is Keely, and Keely's your wife? Yeah, Keely, Keely, my wife, is a social worker. Okay, gotcha. And, um, you know, I, I was an intel officer, so our joke always was, that she was trying to save the world and I was trying to kill it. Um, <laughs> and at the time she was, she managed um, a grant for the school system called the McKinney Vento grant. It's a grant for homeless children. Okay. And we would get into all these, um, you know, discussions about what the best way to deal with the homelessness problem was and da, da, da. And, um, you know, it was really a public versus a private solution conversation that we always got into. So at some point I was like, you know, I, I think it's a private solution. I should probably put my money where my mouth is. So I started working with a homeless outreach in Woodbridge called um, Streetlight. It's a Streetlight Community Outreach. Okay. And I was doing the job readiness stuff for them. And, and um, it was really rewarding. And, and at the time, Keely and I were making like wine and beer and stuff at home. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to have a vineyard that was a homeless outreach where they could come and live there and learn a skill and interesting and get therapy from her and all this. So we had this great idea that we we're going to do this homeless outreach vineyard, um, but vineyards are expensive. So we were going to start uh, yeah. um, doing uh, alcohol kind of on a small scale, running the business out of our house. Well, you pretty much can't do that. ABC says no. Um, Got you. <laughs> they, they frown on people making alcohol at home and selling it. So it just Noted. became too hard. So we take we sort of shelved the idea. Um, and a year later, we really still wanted to do something together, um, something that we could give back and, and help people. Ooh. And what year was this? So the winery thing was 2012. So 2013 was the the following year. Gotcha. Um, and there was this coffee that I used to love in Singapore. We're big coffee drinkers. And, and there was this Indonesian coffee that I used to drink when I lived in Singapore. Mm. And I was like, why don't we just buy that coffee, bring it here and sell it. And like, mm. let that be our thing. So we couldn't find it. <laughs> so I was like, well, it can't be that hard to roast coffee. Um, so we started roasting in a little room off our kitchen with this little bitty roaster um, and it just sort of exploded from there. And we actually already had, we'd set up the LLC for the winery. So we were actually a DBA for the first few months that we, um, that we were going, but I mean, from, and I, and Keely made me write this down so that we wouldn't forget the dates, but like the idea popped into our head on a Thursday by Sunday, we had 
a website. We had a roaster on the way. We had green coffee on the way. And we we sold our first pound of coffee the following Thursday. Oh, uh, my gosh. So within a week. To a friend of, our, friend of mine at the Pentagon. Because um, that was the other thing. I was sitting in a cubicle in the Pentagon shoving pencils in my eyes. And I was like, I got to do something to not, <laughs> not lose my mind. I I can I can uh, sympathize with that life. Yeah. I was up there from uh, let's see, oh nine to eleven. Oh yeah, so, and so I left in eleven. Oh, no, I got there in eleven. Sorry, got there. So yeah, we talked about that. We just yeah. just missed each other. Just missed each other. Yep. Mm. Um, so it, you know, it really did start kind of as a as a hobby. So we started off um, with this little bitty farmers market in Stafford, um, and kind of the next jump was uh, what's now called the Long Family Market in North Stafford. Hmm. Then was just the North Stafford Farms Market opened and it just exploded. Like we, um, we'd worked uh, all our waking hours preparing for that market um, the week before and literally sold out in an hour. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was not. So then it, um, so we kind of, we picked up some wholesale accounts that way. So we really started kind of growing quickly then, um, and got our commercial roaster in August of that year. So we started in mid-May 2013. Um, that farmer's market started June 1st and we had our commercial roaster. So our, um, 33 pound per batch roaster in the house by August. Oh my gosh. And we, wow. uh, so one of our friends, we never intended to have a coffee shop. Like we were, we were going to be wholesale the whole time. That was our, that was our plan. And a friend of ours emailed that he'd seen that the VRE contract at Quantico was coming up. That's the first time I saw your coffee. It was my first day coming up to the, to come out to the department of veterans affairs. And I was taking the VRE and I, I, it was five in the morning and I didn't really care what coffee was in my mouth at that point. I wasn't mm-hmm. even really awake, but I, I took a, I took a sip of your coffee and I was like, Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> and it's, it was so good. And I looked at your, the packaging and I was like, Oh, Rick's roasters. It had some Celtic stuff on there. I was like, cool, cool design. And then it said veteran owned. And I was like, okay, noted. So, uh, yeah. So when I, you know, when I got this podcast, I was like, well, that's, that's one of the first ones I'm going to, I'm going to be interviewing. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the VRE. you know, we, the plan was, you know, there's, there's, you'll hear that recurring theme. The plan was, um, the lady that managed the shop for the outgoing contractor. So she was this lady named Mary Junkersville. Um, she was going to run it for us. Mm. We were going to partner up with, um, a restaurant that's no longer in business that, that was across the street called Harry O's. Oh, I remember Mario's. Remember Mario's? Okay, so yeah. Um, so it was gonna be us, Freddie that owned Harry's, and Mary. We're gonna be the three of us together. We were gonna be the name, handle all the administrative part, and supply the coffee and and stuff like that. And then Mary was gonna run it, and we were gonna get our food from Freddie. Um, and it actually worked really, really well. We, um, you know, we got the contract, um, and everything was actually going pretty well it was getting busier and busier and things are going great. And then, um, Mary actually had a heart attack in the parking lot one day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was only 50 something. Um, 
and that pass away. Yeah, she died. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she died on the spot right there in the parking lot. Um, oh my gosh. So that can just kind of change the trajectory of it. Um, and it's and it's been a a good thing for us in a lot of ways. It's never you know there's thousands of people that go through there every day, but you know we get like the same hundred hundred and fifty customers a day. Um, sure. And we tried everything, couldn't figure it out. But but that was kind of the next incremental jump, right? We went from farmers markets and a few wholesalers to this thing, and then um, our goal for the for the first year of operation was you know, a thousand pounds of coffee. I said, man, if I can do a thousand pounds of coffee, that'll be awesome. And we ended up doing 15,000 pounds the first 12 months. Uh, 12 months, first 12 months of in business. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's amazing. And then last year, um, so 2018, we did uh, right around 40,000 pounds. 40,000. Yeah. Now, so you wholesale, um, you also lease, correct? Like lease the beans to, to other brands? Yeah, so we um, we do a, a couple different things. So the um, the four revenue streams that I talk about is we have the VRE, um, mm-hmm. we have what I call retail, which is our website. You know, um, you know Uncle Mary and Aunt Tom that you know walk in and buy whatever. Um, and then we have the farmers markets and events, which is really kind of a it's sort of retail, but it's a lot more labor intensive than just, you know, a mail order. Um, sure. And then the wholesale stuff and the wholesale stuff is, is about 60% of the total. I would say we have um, a couple hundred wholesalers from New York down to the Southern part of Virginia, all the way out to Texas. Um, and that's, is that under the Rick's Roasters name or is that under different names or? That's, yeah, that's all Rick's Roasters brand. Um, oh, Wow. Uh, and then we really the the vision, if you will, was to replicate the Stafford operation. So it's a small business that's tied in, in the local community, and the idea was to replicate that over and over, so that mm-hmm. at some point Rick's Roasters would be selling the green coffee in the bags and the labels and all the raw products to all these licensees. Um, so at this point, we have um, West Virginia, which is um, which is really a customer still. They're not a licensee. They're using our equipment, but they were kind of the pilot for this idea. So every, all the coffee that is delivered to customers in West Virginia is roasted in West Virginia. Um, and then we have one in Charlottesville called two labs coffee. Um, and they started last summer. So they, they bought a roaster, they bought the equipment and they roast, our coffees and some of theirs, but under our license and they buy the raw products from us. Um, so they're buying, they're buying the raw beans. And then right. They're just buying green coffee. Yeah. And then uh, we have one that's technically out of Roanoke, Texas. Um, but the, one of the partners is local. It's for West Point grads and uh, their, their company is called brass bullet coffee. So, uh, Eric, the guy that's local has been roasting for us and working for us. And then also, you know, producing for them. And, um, they have stuff all over the country. We're, we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff with that. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, in May, 2013, you started your business. Um, well, you were still at the Pentagon. Were you still in the military at that time? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been active duty, um, actually uh was medically retired last may so i've been active duty for most of it 
Oh my gosh. You know, the Navy with its sense of humor. So, um, so we started in May of 2013 and I was in my detailing window in October of 2013 and the business was going so strong that at that point we said, okay, you know, one of us needs to be running the business full time. So the, the plan <laughs> I say again, was that, um, if I was going to get orders local, then I would stay active duty. Keely would quit her job and she would run the business. Gotcha. So I got verbals to um, NCIS Quantico. I'm like, it's perfect. Well, yeah. um, since I've never, never actually executed the exact orders I was ever given verbal, um, these are the same. So June of 14 rolls around. Um, I'm like, hey, where's my hard copy orders? And they're like, well, there's a little problem. <laughs> they're like, we really need you to go to Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> That's a big difference from Quantico. Yeah. They're like, good news is you don't have to move your family because you can, you know, you can do all your training from D.C. And uh, but, you know, but the four years orders and you have to deploy deploy twice. So uh, I actually from July of 14, really until June of 15, I was either training or deployed. So I wasn't even around. So um, you were you were making this happen while you were deployed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always had like an operations person sort of there running it. Once we went, we moved into a warehouse in July of 2014. Um, and you know, we, we had somebody operationally there. So I, I got medevaced out of Afghanistan in 2015. So then I just, Oh my gosh. The, uh, yeah, I ended up having brain surgery and a bunch of other stuff. So I've been kind of hit or miss the last three years of it, but, but yeah, we did, uh, you know, like I said, 40,000 pounds and almost half a million dollars in sales it, last year. It obviously hasn't stopped you. Whatever happened in, was it, was it Afghan? You, what, what, you got airlifted out of Afghanistan? Yeah. Afghanistan. That, uh, that obviously has not stopped you. Uh, um, no, no. What, what was, what was you behind joining the military? What was the, what was the reason you joined the military? So, um, and, and actually my military timeline is kind of a funny too. So, uh, you know, I'm of the top gun age, right? So I wanted to fly jets for the Navy. Oh, yeah. So uh, I got accepted in the Merchant Marine Academy, um, went there. And um, by the time it came around to my senior year, when it was time to, you know, apply for flight school and all that stuff, I really, I loved being a Merchant Marine engineer. I loved being at sea. I loved the whole thing. And I was like, you know, I came here to fly. I need to apply because then I'll always wonder what if, right? So they would normally take 10 pilots a year from our school. My year, they took two and I was ranked number three. I'm like, well, oh, that's my message. <laughs> like, like, son's not supposed to fly. <laughs> so I ended up um, sailing on my license for a couple of years after graduation. And, you know, I was in the reserves at, at, you know, for some of that. And then, um, I took a civilian job in Singapore, so I didn't do anything military really from 1994 to 2003. Um, came back in as a reservist and then on active duty. Oh, so you guys, you had, you had some serious broken time there. Yeah, like nine, yeah, nine years. You you, yeah, you was, took a you took a civilian job in Singapore. What um, was the what was the civilian job? So I um I was running a marine pipe valve and fitting company. Gotcha. You know, selling to shipyards and ships and, you know, the whole, the whole thing. 
So still naval in nature. Yeah. So, yeah. So maritime related. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So, you know, I worked for those guys and that's kind of where I got this um, sort of desire or, you know, passion for the business side of things was, you know, I was a 24 year old kid. They moved me over there and said, all right, figure out what to do. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. Oh. It was awesome. And so I was there for three and a half years and then moved from there to San Diego um, with that company and ran San Diego for a couple of years and then went from there to Alabama and ran that for a couple of years. And then you joined the Navy. And I came back in the Navy. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause we're well, at, well, at a key point. You're, um, you're commissioned as a reserve Naval officer upon graduation. So I had a commission in 91. Okay. Yeah. And that, that gave you the option to come back at any point. So, uh, you know, that's kind of funny. Um, when I started to come back in, um, I was like, Oh, I'm just an IRR. I'll just go from IRR to sell res and it'll be great. And they're like, uh, Hey dude, you haven't done anything in 10 years. So we discharged all you clowns. Um, so, cause there was a lot of, you know, us merch ring guys that had did our, you know, our five or six year requirement and then just not really done anything. Yeah. So in 2000, they went through and just discharged a bunch of us. So I had to get undischarged. Mm. Um, and then I came back in as a reservist and, um, I didn't have a lot of Coast Guard license anymore. And they said, well, you can't be a, you know, merchant marine guy. So you gotta be something else. And I'm like, all right, what else can I be? They said, oh, you can be this general surface thing. I'm like, sure. So I was a general surface thing, but what they didn't tell me was that that was going away. And then two years later, I was going to have to be something else again. So they said, uh, okay, yeah, you gotta be something else now. And I'm like, all right, what can I be? And I happened to run into a classmate of mine. He was like, Hey, I'm doing this Intel thing. It's pretty cool. I'm like, Hey, I'll do that. So I converted to Intel in, uh, 2006. And then I, a whole active duty time. I was a Intel officer. Um, Got you. Got you. Who was your best friend or greatest mentor while you were in? Oh man. Um, I had different people for different things, I guess you could say. Um, sure. So my buddy Dave Harris is the one that, you know, and God puts people in your, in your path at certain times for certain reasons. And, uh, Dave was a good buddy of mine at school and I just happened to run into him in the clinic in Norfolk. Um, like recently, no, when, uh, when I needed to change designators, Oh, okay. um, like I had literally just heard, Hey, you gotta be something else and run into him. And he's like, Hey, you know, you can do this, uh, Intel thing. I was like, ah, um, so that was pretty pivotal. Um, gotcha. And then there, uh, I had a boss on the carrier uh, skid Markley was his name. Skid was his call sign, John Markley. Um, and he really kind of came in and sort of helped me through the, the transition of, okay, are you going to do this forever and ever or not? Oh, he helped you like say, you know, basically if you have other goals, go get other goals or. So, uh, um, because I, I went from a reservist to a permanently recalled active duty person. Um, and my record just looked goofy. You know, I, <laughs> Well, I've been gone nine years, right? So all the time that um, other intel officers are out doing their JO tours and all those things, I wasn't anywhere. Um, yeah. And so you were in a completely different MOS. It was like you were... Yeah, so I came in on active duty as a lieutenant commander. And, wow. you know, um, 
I think three years after that or something like that I, is when I was in zone for 05. So it was a really um, bizarre sort of thing for a promotion board to see. So I didn't, mm-hmm. get, I didn't get picked up 05 for the first look around. And, you know, your, your chances go from 80% to like three after that. Oh, um, wow. And that all kind of happened when Skid was my boss on the carrier. He said, look, you know, it's, you know, you can keep continuing. You can do your whole career like this. So um, had I made it to 20 instead of getting medically retired, I would have been a lieutenant commander for 19 years and 10 months which would have to be a record somewhere. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. That's, that's, I didn't know that was even possible. Yeah. They, they, uh, once you make Oh four in the Navy, you can stay in as long as they keep continuing. So your name goes before the board every year and every three years, they have to decide to continue you or let you go. Wow. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, what is one thing from your service? Uh, what's one thing from your service that you learned that you apply today? Yeah, maybe this is um, kind of Navy specific, I guess, or at least my experience has been as that's, Navy specific. Is, that's perfectly um, fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we're when you're in the Navy, you're out there in the middle of nowhere, right? You are what you have. So if you don't have it on the ship, you don't have it. You ain't got it. <laughs> right. You ain't got it. Right. It leads us culturally to be very creative and um, outside of the box, sort of self-sufficient. And um, I take it to the stream where I don't even see a box. So, you know, to me, there's no problem that can't be solved or overcome or run around or run over. Um and and I think I learned a lot of that from being in a situation where you had to figure it out, right? You don't, you can't wait till the next day and you know, have something flown in or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. having, having deployed with, um, you know, deployed with the army, I deployed with Marines, you know, every air force, everybody. Um, that's a really unique Navy skill set. I feel like being uh, figuring out how to be self-reliant. Yeah, because, you know, um, the analogy I always use is, you know, if the Army in particular, um, you know, if the Army wants to to turn 5,000 people left, right, there's a tremendous amount of instruction, training, da-da-da-da, that makes 5,000 people go left. If the Navy wants to turn 5,000 people left, somebody with their one finger turns a ship's wheel. Mm. Um. So the, the culture of other services is very much this do what we say you need to do when you need to do it, how you need to do it. And don't yeah. take a next step. Don't go to a third step, because if you do, you're going to run into somebody else's doing their thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it needs to be. You know, that makes sense. That in our totally business, makes sense. In the business I'm running now, you know, to me, there's nothing that can't be solved somehow. You just have to figure out the way, right? Gotcha. It's good advice. Uh, do you have any other advice for veteran entrepreneurs that are looking to get into a business? I, th- I think don't wait. Um, you know, if you have a passion, if you have something that that really moves you or you feel called to do, don't wait for the right time because there's never a right time. Um, gotcha. If you keep waiting for that right, right time, you'll never get it. 
Um, mm. And just understand that, you know, if everything's perfect, there's still going to be days you hate it. There's still, you know, <laughs> there's, um, you're going to look yourself in the mirror and go, I'm insane. Why did I do this? Um, I actually uh, taught a um, entrepreneurship class for um, Mary Washington's MBA program uh, for a semester. Huh. And uh, the first thing I said, I said, look, for those of you that are in here because you want to start your own business, it, it guarantees the fact that you're insane because you have to be. You have to be a little bit crazy. Um, Why is that? Um, you know, it, it, you don't realize how all consuming it is. I mean, mm. it's, it's your life. It's your entire financial life. It's everything. Um, regardless of, you know, what you do or how you do it or how big you are or how small you are, um, it is, it becomes your life. Um, working towards getting your business off the ground, uh, when, it, when you first started or even today, uh, what, what, like, what is it, what is a work week like? Like how many hours or how much time did you spend getting your business started? Um, so when we started, so uh, Keely and I, you know, had full-time jobs, of course. Right. So mm -hmm. we would get up at uh, like five in the morning. We would start roasting coffee, like while we were getting showers and eating breakfast and that sort of thing. Um, and then we would go to work and then we'd come home. And as soon as we came home, we'd start roasting again and packaging coffee and we'd work till about midnight, one o'clock every day. Um, oh my God. That know, does sound insane. It, it's nuts. It, it, it is nuts. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's been the most rewarding thing as well because it's yours. You know, it it's your baby and, and you can use it to bless people the way you have. And we've blessed a lot of people along the way. Um, In what ways? Are you are you uh, partner with some nonprofits or? So we do that. Um, you know, so, you know, financially we have helped nonprofits and, and some veteran charities. Um, but even like, you know, our first year – around the holidays, we just didn't have enough people. It was she and I, and, and we, we kind of leaned on uh, people everywhere we could. So we had this lady that was a single mom. She had four little kids or four kids from like 14 down to six or seven or something like that. Um, mm. And we got them to package some of our coffee. So we would deliver all the bags and the labels and the whatever. And they would just package these little bags of coffee. And we gave them like 25 cents a bag. Um, and they saved the money and went on the first vacation they'd ever been on. Uh, oh, wow. So you've worked with a lot of nonprofits. You work with a lot of, uh, veter veterans in the community. What's one veteran or nonprofit in the veteran space that you're excited about? Um, so one of our, one of our biggest charities to support is a place called, uh, Camp Valor Outdoors. Hmm. Um, so they're officially out of, um, Missouri. That's where they're, um, camp is but they have people all around the country and um what they help veterans do is sort of get back into the shooting sports and fishing and hunting and things like that get outdoors where um, you know they a lot of times you know i can speak for myself in this case too um after you've had you know a traumatic injury or um, illness um you tend to write off everything that was going to be you for the future. Um, instead of realizing what you can still do, what you, 
what consumes you is what you can't do anymore. This organization helps um, reinforce what they still can do. Um, That's great. Yeah. It's, it's called, what's it, Camp Valor? Camp Valor Outdoors, yeah. So gotcha. we, have, we have a couple coffees on our website that um, when you buy one of their coffees, a uh, portion of the proceeds goes back to them. That's great. That's great. Uh, at the end of the interview, please uh, send me links in an email sure. and I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure that those go on the show notes. So what's next for Rick's Roasters? What, what's the next grand scheme? You did, you did 40,000 uh, pounds of coffee this year. Yeah. What's next for the company? Um, so the, so kind of the big thing that we had last year was um, we got a, a contract out of a, company called Concessions International and they operate seven different brands at Reagan and Dulles. Um, mm. So starting January of 2018, we were in Reagan and Dulles. You could, ha- you could drink our coffee in seven different places. Um, oh, wow. And you know, they're, they're expected to take us nationwide at some point. Um, so that could be a, a pretty tremendous, you know, they were, I want to say, Twenty five percent of our sales, or something, last year. It was it was pretty significant. So, so it was a good boost up. It was a good boost. With them. Yeah. Um, so that could be. Um, you know, I'm moving. Me and my family are moving down to Florida, so we're going to open something up in Florida. And uh, if everything goes as planned, I think the Brass Bullet guys are going to end up uh, buying the Virginia operation and continue it on as Rick's Roasters and Brass Bullet and run the Virginia piece. And we'll just oh, wow. expand to Florida. So you're moving, you're moving the headquarters down, down yeah, to Florida. Yeah. Moving to Florida. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, where, if I'm in Texas, if I'm in Colorado, where, where can I find you, your product? How can I, fo- how can I, uh, follow what's going on with the business? Um, you know, the best way is the website and our social media. Um, in the, on the website, we have all our locations and one of the, What's the, what's the net, what's the rep website? Is it, is it ricksroasters.com? Ricksroasters.com. Yeah. Got and, you. Um, one of the cool things that we do is, uh, you can, you can elect to pick up your product at any of our wholesalers. So you can order online and go, Oh, Hey, that place is close to me. I'll just pick it up there. You don't pay any shipping. Um, and then it gets, you know, it gets a customer to walk into one of our wholesalers. Okay. That's a neat little program. Yeah, it's, neat it's program. a neat, a neat function. A lot of people use it, um, you know, especially like you know we do farmers markets all summer long. But then when they end, people that are used to buying it every week at the farmers market, you know, they don't want to have it shipped. They don't want to come down to the grocery, so they'll just go, "Oh, hey, this business is near me. I'll just have it dropped off there, and I'll go pick it up." Very cool. Well, Sean, not Rick, because I've called you Rick. I've probably called you Rick at least twice in this interview. <laughs> Is there anything that I missed or haven't asked that you think is important to share? You know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, and this, this show targets veterans, right? And that's the, absolutely. Um, you know, I was on the Navy's only warrior team in 2017 and going to the warrior games in Chicago. So we, Navy actually hosted them in, in 2017. So we were in Chicago. That experience alone was enough to, um, kind of help you help me um, regain some hope, I guess. Um, you can see people, there was a guy, this guy was a Marine. He had one arm, a piece of another arm, and 
he was above the knee amputee on both his legs. Mm. And I watched that guy swing 100 freestyle, probably faster than I was doing it. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Um, you know, the life that you leave behind, whether you retire, whether you medically retire, whether you just separate, um, you can still do a lot. You can still have a very full, rewarding life. Um, and the worst thing that any of us can do is to start feel sorry for ourselves. You know, if you're out there and you, um, and you feel like now that your military career is coming to an end in whatever fashion it is, that kind of that's the end. Um, don't think that there's still so many wonderful things you can do and, and so much that can make your life very rewarding. Absolutely. The, 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 you know, I, I tell people all the time, uh, the uniform, don't let the uniform define you. You know, have it be a part of you. Uh, but you were you had a first name before you started and you're going to have a, and a last name before you started. And you, and you got a first and last name as at the end of your service. Uh, don't let it define you. That's, that's something that's a good thing to take away there, Sean. Even if people call you by your last name. <laughs> <laughs> It's time we all thought differently about homeless veterans. I never thought of myself as a veteran, even though I served in the military. Because when we know who our veterans are, I never thought if I lost my job, I might lose my home. Understand how easily anyone can become homeless. I never thought my VA benefits could be the answer. And realize that VA is here to help. We can end veteran homelessness. If you know of or are a veteran in need, contact the nearest VA medical center at va.gov homeless or 877-424-3838. Big thank you to Sean for coming on and sharing his story. Rick's Roasters is some pretty amazing coffee, and we look forward to what's in store as he expands his headquarters down to Florida. To follow what Rick's Roasters is up to or to order a bag yourself, you can find them at ricksroasters.com. On the website, you can also find and follow all of his social media. And you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, either at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs or DEPT Vet Affairs. You can always find us with that blue check mark next to our name. And if you want to contact the show directly, you can find us at podcast at va.gov. This is WrestleMania week. And this week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is a wrestler that's getting inducted into WWE Hall of Fame. Brian Gerard James is a second-generation wrestler and is the son of WWE Hall of Famer Bullet Bob Armstrong. Like his father, James is a Marine Corps veteran, and he served from 1987 to 1993 and was a platoon sergeant during Operation Desert Storm. After his service, James joined the WWE as the roadie to Double J Jeff Jarrett. He shortly transitioned into the road dog Jesse James, Partnering, partnering with badass Billy Gunn to form the New Age Outlaws. The New Age Outlaws were cornerstones of WWE's D-Generation X stable and the WWE Attitude Era in general, winning the Tag Team Championships five times. Additionally, Road Dogg went on to become an Intercontinental and Hardcore Champion. This week, the entire D-Generation X will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So, congratulations to the Road Dogg and thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. As always, follow us on social media. 
Give us a like. Give us a share. Email the show at podcast at va.gov. And you can read a lot of great stories about veterans on blogs.va.gov. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.